This is episode number 118 of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jesse Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey everyone, it's Jesse jumping in here before we get to today's episode. I have a brand new freebie for you that I want to be sure you get your eyes on. It details through my four-minute cesarean scar massage protocol that I have used for both my own C-section recoveries and have offered to hundreds of postpartum people recovering from their own cesarean births. Because here's the thing, What if it only took four minutes to help yourself or your clients and patients reconnect to and help heal their bodies after a C-section? C-section recovery can be a difficult, exhausting, and stressful time, especially when the already lacking typical support systems are not available to us. But there is so much we can do to reduce the discomfort and disconnect if we only knew how. One of the most simple and potentially most powerful ways to do this is with cesarean scar massage. And practitioners, you could be the one to share this protocol with your clients when no one else is. So pop over to the show notes of this episode to download my free guide where I'll show you how to do self-mobilization on C-section scars in just four minutes because who has time for more than that? This guide is designed specifically for fitness and health practitioners who work with postnatal people and moms, but also grab it if you are someone who has had or is prepping for a cesarean birth. In the guide, you are going to get education on why cesarean scar massage can be helpful for someone's physical and emotional recovery, the missing link to C-section recovery that close to 100% of people will not receive from their medical provider, and a step-by-step worksheet with professionally drawn images to show you how to do the four-minute scar massage protocol. Coaches, give this step-by-step worksheet directly to your clients so they can easily follow along. Go to jessiemundell.com slash scar dash massage or click the direct link in the show notes to download this free guide and discover a whole new way to approach cesarean birth healing. Let's do this. I'm so excited mm-hmm. to tackle some of these questions. So some people are yeah. asking about yes. exercise. So why don't we jump into our first question? We did get a lot. So I have them all listed down here. And I know some people I've recognized like Erica, who's on, she had a question. So um, first one on here is from Karen. And they asked, when can I start exercising after having a C-section? Oh, Okay, yes, that's a great question. I think we always want to preface this with what does exercise mean to you and what does exercise look like for you? 
And then on the flip side, we always hear these guidelines that we want to wait until we get that six week checkup with our medical provider, get the all clear, and then you can go back to exercise. And Anita and I take a slightly different approach with this as we help people who want to get back to movement sooner than that six week period or that six week mark postpartum after a C-section if they are feeling like they want to and they are able to get moving we help them get back into some really gentle movement that feels very good and supportive on the body and is meant to improve the healing process that happens. So I know for me after two C-sections, I didn't want to wait for that full six week period. It made me feel better to be moving around quite early on. So I got started back to my core plus floor restore program at two weeks postpartum after both of those c-sections and that felt good for me because i felt really achy and stiff and doing some gentle movement really helped me helped me from a physical standpoint but then as we always talk about a lot too how we feel in our physical bodies can really impact the mental and emotional experience of postpartum as well so it was holistically helpful for me to get moving sooner um so i think again redefining what exercise actually is and looks like and knowing that that can be very gentle and very supportive even for a body after such a major procedure and then we can talk about the more intense exercise maybe you want to cover that yeah i'm totally the same as jess um you know starting with those uh rehabilitative and restorative exercises near the start can actually, as Jess said, can help make that postpartum recovery feel even more comfortable, um, whether it's a vaginal or a cesarean birth. So yeah, I have my clients often start with, and again, with pelvic floor, we're starting with doing some activation and some release work um, and working on breathing because now your diaphragm has a bit more space now that baby is out. So all these different things, but also bringing movement into it. Um, so We'll talk a bit more about that, but yes, yeah, so generally before six weeks, you can start that movement. Um, it's as we get past that six weeks, then increasing whether it's the intensity or the volume that that kind of will start at that point. But even then, it's not a zero to 100. We're still doing that gradual progression even after that six-week mark. Um, our next question was from Sarah and they asked, I had a third degree tear and I'm six weeks postpartum. When can I start strength training again? So this kind of goes with even what we were just talking about. Um, again, it can be helpful. So Sarah is already six weeks postpartum. Um, so even at that point, still, you know, starting with that rehab and restorative movements at that point too can be helpful, but building up strength work. So for everyone, it's going to look different. And I'm not sure specifically what they're talking about in terms of strength training, because there's such a variation in that. Um, but again, even up to that six week mark, you've been carrying your baby, possibly the stroller, been doing a lot of lifting, carrying, pushing, pulling already. Um, so some of that has kind of already started, but then Again, building that foundation with the core and the pelvic floor and building up and adding upper body and lower body um, exercise and strength training on top of that is totally doable at that point, but progressing. So thinking to, even if you were strength training right up until, let's say, 
you gave birth, you won't necessarily be starting at that point. I think that's good to talk about that to not necessarily compare yourself to the end of pregnancy or pre-pregnancy, that this is kind of a new beginning, um, that you're building that foundation and building up again. Such a good point. And I think that that takes people by surprise, especially those who did exercise all the way up until pregnancy. You, we always hear these stories that someone exercised until the day they gave birth, but then returning to exercise after birth can feel really, really different in your body. And I think it's such a good point that you make about <clears throat> wherever and whenever you have started to return to exercise postpartum, even if it is at that six week mark that you got the all clear, still it is this progressive ramping up that will take weeks, months, a very long time in some cases, in other cases a shorter time. But regardless, this progressive ramping up, even if you did get that all clear, in the case of a third degree tear or a cesarean birth or a vaginal birth that you felt like you recovered from really easily, this progressive ramp is going to be usually best case scenario for most people in the short and then long term as well. I just saw that question from Erica come up that asked about when can you start cesarean scar massage? And I think there was a second part to it about will this impact returning to exercise or when you can return to exercise. So I think generally speaking, the guideline in most cases is that wait till you get that six week clearance from your medical provider, someone who has looked at the appearance of the scar and has said that, yes, this looks like it's healing well, it is closed over, there's no infection. And then you can start doing some direct work on the scar itself. I know for me in both cases with my C-sections that I was advised that I could start doing some really light, gentle massage work on the belly, not directly on the scar before that point if I felt okay and if it felt good on my body to do so. So that can be an option for some people. But I think then again, it's just really key that we know that the scar has closed over well, no infection, and we feel comfortable touching that area of the body. Yeah, no, I would say that's key. And just something to be mindful of right now that I've noticed. So with all the precautions that have been taken, um, I know as physiotherapists, we are seeing people virtually. So seeing clients online through video, and some people are doing it over the phone. I'm seeing all my clients through video if that's their preference. Um, but what I've also been hearing from a lot of my postpartum clients is their postpartum appointments. Many of them have been over the phone um, and not in person with their care provider. So sometimes I'm the first person who is talking to them at length about their scar. And actually, if they want to show it to me, I'm actually able to see it over video. So this is Arian scar. Um, and then able to talk them through what to do and what not to do at this point. And so if that's something that you're going through right now, or if you're going to be giving birth and you do have a cesarean birth, if it's unplanned or planned, to really ask your care provider, if you're having a phone um, appointment at six weeks, ask them a lot of questions and tell them in detail what is going on with your scar. Because if they can't, if they can't see it, they really need to hear from you what is going on. And if you have concerns, to definitely voice them. That's really good advice. And it's just reminding me of situations that I hear outside of 
global pandemic times that people at their six week checkup with cesareans and their medical provider not looking at their scar at all at those times either. And the other thing that I'm just thinking about now too is when I got an infection in my C-section incision after my first birth, I texted photos of it to my midwife. So if that could be a possibility for you, it might be something to ask them about as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. And yeah, it depends where you are. Um, and I know things are constantly changing with appointments, whether it's prenatal or postpartum. Um, so just checking with your care provider what the options are. Um, and if there's an option to do video and that's your preference to to let them know. With scar massage, exactly what Jess talked about and desensitizing the scar is the other part of it too. So a lot of people I'm seeing postpartum, it's numb or uh, feels like prickly or tingly or painful maybe above the scar on the scar below the scar on the sides of the scar um, so all of that working through with initially touching the scar and then massaging the scar can all really be helpful and it's never too late too i have some people ask if it's months later um, even years later and people come three years later and they still have numbing around their scar and so it's never too late to actually work on it and know if you are just getting started doing some of this stuff or work on your scar, it might feel not super comfortable. And I don't mean just not painful, but even when you say like desensitizing your scar, two almost two years after my last section, my last C section, it makes me like cringe a little bit because that sensation, oh, it can just feel very, very strange on your body. So know that it might be a little bit weird as you get started. We don't want pain, but some of the, some of the sensations might be just strange feeling on your mm -hmm. skin. And also to the, we've talked about before, the emotional and uh, mental side of working on your scar that you may be surprised and might bring up different feelings that you didn't actually realize um, were associated or related to that scar, which can be then related to your birth. So that actually working on the physical scar may actually help with the mental and emotional processing and healing after your birth, if that's something that, that you're needing. The next question is from Trina, and they asked, I'm struggling with getting clients back to high-impact exercise without them leaking. Yes, so Trina mentioned two different things in this question. One was getting them back to running, and the other being double-unders. So similarities with both kind of different situations. I think we're going to record a whole podcast episode specific to return to running. So we'll save a lot of that information for that, which will come up very soon. But I think the big things for me as a fitness coach, when I am getting someone back to high intensity or high impact training postpartum is for sure, lots of solid education around what is even happening in the body with the core, pelvic floor, with the breath, so they can understand the cueing and coaching I might use and why I'm even using it. So if we take the example of double unders, which is a skipping movement, and someone is leaking during this, first of all, I want them to understand what the pelvic floor and the abdominal wall might be doing during this movement. The second thing that I always want before we even get back to high impact exercise is that we have some base level of full body strength. And this includes the core and pelvic floor for sure, but also global strength through the whole body. And I'm sure we'll talk about this with the return to running episode a whole bunch more, but 
foundation of strength first before we get back to impact because we need this muscular strength and conditioning before adding on such load and high volume of load on the body that high impact work is. So get a foundation of strength first and then take them back to high impact work. For me, in my experience with my clients, that seems to be the best approach. And then I think a big thing in this too is that a lot of postpartum people who are leaking or who are nervous or afraid about leaking are probably going to be holding a lot of tension in their whole body and then again specifically in the abdominals or in the pelvic floor too so one of the biggest things that we can do to help people relax is to help them feel calm in any way and to help them relieve and relax tension through the body we don't want them to be too rigid or too tight again pelvic floor wise but also globally in the body so just getting them moving in a comfortable way that feels really confident for them so if we just throw them into double unders and they start leaking, that's probably not going to feel good for them mentally or approaching that exercise from their mindset. And that for sure will impact what they do with their physical body in that movement. So we have to find a way for them to get calm, feel confident before going back into the movement. Yeah, I echo all that. And another big thing is breathing. I find it's such a key part. It's part of the foundation that Jess and I both work on with our clients. However, especially when you get to impact, I find breathing strategies is such a big part with my clients, whether it's continuing to breathe or just focusing on maybe when to exhale, um, different things like that, I find actually make a big difference. And then even just positioning of the body, a lot of times postpartum, um, especially with pregnancy, our belly is growing, our chest is growing, so our body tends to bring our weight back. Um, and then once baby comes out, it's like your body's adjusting again to finding that position. Um, and often, again, a lot of people are still in that posture, and then they bring that into impact, whether it's running or jumping. And so I find we're tweaking that to help actually bring the ribs forward, bringing the kind of center, their center of gravity more forward and focusing on their breath. Those are kind of two key parts along with the strengthening that Jess talked about. Absolutely. And the other thing to note here for people who might be leaking with high impact stuff is when are they leaking? So is it on the 20th double under or is it on the second? And that will depend how we might coach them through that situation. If it's on the 20th, do we just back up to 18 double unders, take a rest, reset, and then get back into it? Or if it was on the second, when they are what we are assuming to be more fresh, we might adjust differently from there. This is kind of where the art of program planning comes into because if we had the double unders at the very end of a workout when someone is already exhausted, that could be contributing to the concern that we're having too. So playing with where you even have that exercise in their exercise program can make a big difference. As you can tell, we're going to have lots to talk about for the return to running episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's just there's so there's so many layers to it um, that definitely we need a, a full episode focused on that. Um, so next, yes, was from Shelly. And they asked, can I do crunches postpartum? I was told I shouldn't. So I know that Anita and I have gone through phases of our beliefs about postpartum crunches. And a lot has changed actually in 
our education and our understanding over this over the last even over the last few years really so for sure we both believe that crunches can be useful for postpartum recovery even with diastasis recti even with managing pelvic organ prolapse or other pelvic stuff that is coming up for you it definitely can be useful for people postpartum to be doing crunches and it's just going to depend on some other stuff surrounding it so why are you doing the crunches first of all do we have certain intentions do we need to be able to do 100 crunches or are we training crunches for the purpose of getting the body to move to flex through the spine because we're going to need to be able to do that movement because we want our spine to be able to move in these ways we want to strengthen the abdominal wall in these ways what is even the intention first of all i think that that is a really good starting point for me with my clients and figuring out why the crunches is even important to someone so it's going to then determine how we cue and coach someone back into that crunch, dependent on what is happening in their own body with their own core and pelvic health. Do you want to talk about that? I think one of the big things I see with clients is more often than not right now, it's a fear of doing them that they're not necessarily symptomatic. However, if they are symptomatic, we want to look into that. So Maybe if they've done that movement, let's say getting out of bed um, and they're leaking with it or they're feeling pressure or kind of a bulgy sensation around the vaginal opening, could it potentially be related to prolapse or could it be related to pelvic floor tension? So all of those things are what we want to look into. And then again, what Jess was talking about is why they want to do the movement. And so if it's because they really need to be doing it right now, postpartum to be able to get out of bed because they they need that movement you can't necessarily be going to your side or doing another way um, then we're working on different strategies to help manage those symptoms that perhaps they were um, experiencing but yes the other thing too is I just I have a lot of clients with fear around it which is understandable because like just mentioned we've gone through you know so many like don't do crunches okay totally fine to do crunches um, and Justin and I are kind of like in the middle of like why do you want to be doing them how can we do them so that your symptoms are managed or not there? Like, there's just so many layers to it. So I'm the same as Jess, as in they're, they're definitely not off the table, um, whether it's a cesarean or vaginal birth. But again, after each type of birth, it may feel different. Like I know sometimes after cesarean, just because of what you've gone through with your birth, but then also where the scars and the recovery, it may not be comfortable for a while to do that movement. So again, if it's needed and it's one of your goals, we're going to work through that. Yeah, I think that's a really good point to make is that, yes, we fall into this gray area of believing that they can be purposeful and helpful for postpartum bodies. And that said, we can use specific strategies and coaching and cueing to make that feel better on someone's body. So it's not that we're prescribing a like daily crunch plan for every postpartum person that comes into our practice of like five sets of 100 crunches per day. And we're also not saying zero crunches per day. Again, it's this fluid gray area where for sure it can work for people's bodies and we just use some structure around it next was 
from Leslie and they wrote, I'm a fitness coach and want to start offering classes to new moms. How early is it okay for them to start working out? I love this question. We talk about this a lot with the students in our postnatal fitness specialist Academy, which is my online course for trainers and fitness professionals who want to work with postpartum people. So again, what we tend to see is the guideline being wait till that six week mark, someone gets the all clear and then they can come back into your gym, into your studio, into your online studio now. And I think that that is fine. And for sure, some insurance providers will require you to do that, to have that six week guideline checked off. So check there first before going to whatever I'm gonna say next. But I also think that we can have people who are earlier than six weeks postpartum in our classes doing our programming and have that be an okay situation. So if it's the case of they're coming into my programming at three weeks postpartum versus going to the traditional mom and baby boot camp down the street who perhaps doesn't have the education and training structure in place that I have, I'm gonna want that person in my programming because I feel safe and like I can lead them in a confident way. Plus, I think thinking about the community that that mom, that postpartum person is looking for, even if it is with an online training situation, that might be a big reason why they are coming to you because they want to feel more connected in some way to people who are not just their baby or their family or people in their house. So I always consider it from this lens of thinking about their physical well-being, but again, also their mental and emotional well-being and how confident and comfortable I feel with being able to lead appropriately. So if you feel confident and comfortable in your skills, your education, and knowing that you can modify for that postpartum person at four weeks or one month, then I think that it is okay. And again, that it is okay with the insurance or the structure in which you're working with in your business to have them in your programming. I think we can do that. To add to that, if you, if you have pelvic health or physiotherapists or chiropractor, like other health professionals in your community, I really encourage you like reach out to them, connect because we are always looking to connect with uh, fitness professionals who do want to see pregnant and postpartum populations because we're looking for great, you know, educated instructors that we can recommend our clients go to and then also do your class and see us and do that at the same time or whether it's kind of the next step. So that would be another thing is to reach out because definitely at that six week mark, I have a lot of clients who are starting to do classes and that even while we're doing the physiotherapy side of things. So just another thing to, to keep in mind. And even right now with everything happened virtually, now is a great time to, to reach out online to others, other professionals in your community to connect. Um, next is from Sky, and they asked thoughts on support leggings postpartum, for example, Bayobe maternity. And so I love this question. I'm a big fan of Bayobe maternity. So all of the products were created by a physiotherapist that she owns the company, and they've got um, abdominal bands, but also leggings. And I used one of the postpartum leggings. I still have them. I love them. They are super high waisted. So um, they just feel really comfortable. They do have some compression to them. So 
what I talk to clients about is, yes, they can be helpful to have. Some people will actually wear their pregnancy leggings postpartum because they're high-waisted and still have a bit of compression. Um, but even the postpartum ones can be, can be helpful too and feel comfortable, feel supportive. My big thing is to be aware that things are not too tight. So to check the sizing, and I know postpartum, everyone's body is going to be different and it's hard to predict what your body, like if you're trying to order while you're pregnant, it's hard to kind of predict. Um, but just the big thing is that they're not too tight because you shouldn't be symptomatic when you're wearing them. So I know some people who've tried various ones and if the size is too small, and if you think of your abdomen kind of like a balloon and you're getting that pressure around the center, you may be getting more pressure down on the pelvic floor, which for some people can create symptoms of that heaviness or bulgy type feeling, or they may find that they're more apt to leak just because their pelvic floor, like it's harder for um, kind of that core canister to coordinate or kind of support in the same way. So that's my big thing is I'm a big fan of them. Just again, when you try them on, make sure they should not be symptomatic. If anything, I talk to clients about postpartum support garments should feel like someone is gently hugging you all day. Like it should feel good. It should feel like a good support versus a corset or anything too tight. Love those ones too. People ask me a lot about this for C-section recovery as well. If they should do a band and Personal opinion, I think something like the laggings from Bay Bay are more comfortable or even the bloomers that they have too. If I was going to do it again and I'm not going to do it again, I would try the bloomers the next time. I didn't actually end up wearing any support stuff after my last C-section because it didn't feel good at all to have anything that tight on. But after my first C-section, it did feel good. So who knows why both of those situations occurred as they did, but for a lot of people, I know that some gentle support does feel nice for them, even post-C-section. Actually, the next question is from Erica, and Erica's on, and she put, connecting with PTs is so great. I'm starting an apprenticeship with a PT in a few months. I love it. That's awesome, Erica. Erica is always posting about the podcast and everything. So thank you so much. And your clients are super lucky to have you because I know how much you search out information and to stay up to date. So that's awesome. And so Erica asked, um, can you review prolapse safe exercises and breathing for um, like lifting strategies for people that have pel pelvic organ prolapse? So even Jess, before you start answering, can you just talk, because there may be some people on who don't know what pelvic organ prolapse is. I know a lot of people um, don't necessarily, they're not necessarily aware of that. So even let's even talk a bit about that first. So in terms of with prolapse, and there's different stages to it, but um, the pelvic organs, so the bladder, uterus, or rectum, um, the prolapse refers to if they start to lower in towards the vaginal canal, um, or in the case of the uterus, within the vaginal canal, that it starts to lower towards the opening. Um, and kind of later stages is that it's gone past the opening. So there's four different stages. Um, and then in terms of the rectum, it may lean in towards the back wall of the vaginal canal. So sometimes people will call it um, like a posterior prolapse. Um, but also the rectum itself can start to come out of the, the anal sphincter or out of the rectum. Um, 
So that's what a prolapse is. So basically the organs starting to lower descend towards the opening um, and different symptoms. So some people may actually see or feel a bulge at the vaginal opening or in the case of the rectum um, at the anal sphincter around the opening. Um, some people don't. If it's higher up, you may feel like a heaviness or even almost like an internal bulgy sensation or the feeling like a tampon might be falling out. Um, whereas other people, sometimes it's back pain they're experiencing may be related to having a prolapse. So uh, yeah, we have um, two different episodes um, on the podcast around prolapse. So you can check those out definitely to get more information specifically um, about that. And both Jess and I feel we wish more people knew about prolapse ahead of time, you know, whether it's pregnancy um, or before being postpartum, just so you're educated on so many things around it. There can be a lot of fear around prolapse, but there's, there is a lot of um, positive information around it and how to manage it and just education there. So in terms of prolapse safe exercise, we're not going to give you a list of what is good for prolapse and what isn't good for prolapse just because it is so dependent on the individual and their own body and their own prolapse and their own experience of it and i know we've mentioned this so many times but their own physical experience of it but then also what they believe to be true about the prolapse so prolapse safe exercise is going to be whatever fits for the individual so generally speaking nothing is off the table so that could mean that they are engaging in strength training exercise they are running they are sprinting they are doing crossfit and that all might be absolutely working super well for that person and for other people they might get some prolapse symptoms and whatever again that symptom is for them when they are doing some gentle yoga or when they are going for a walk when they have their baby in a carrier and they are doing light movement around the house, it can be the things that they weren't expecting that is the thing that ramps their symptom up. And maybe it's the intense exercise that they feel really good with during. So it is just such, it just highlights the fact that we need to be having continual conversation with our client or our patient on how they are doing during their home life, during the exercise session, and then after the exercise session too. So we can kind of see if there are any themes or patterns coming up that can give us some information about what is working and maybe what didn't quite work and we need to adjust the strategy or the programming around. No, I think that's a great answer with it. And yeah, we always talk about there's no there is no safe and unsafe list. It's not black and white, it is very gray. Um, and can be very individual and depending on symptoms um, with prolapse, but with, with any of the pelvic floor issues that we, we talk about. We recommend a variety of different breathing strategies to our clients and patients, again, depending on them and then depending on the task that we might be asking of them. So how many reps it is, how many sets it is, what the volume or the weight or the resistance is. So the breathing strategy is gonna depend. And then of course, from Anita's point of view, she can actually feel from a person vaginally what is happening when they do that task. And then with the breathing strategy used, which is the gold standard of how we can know what is actually working for someone. 
So we don't need that to be able to do any strength training. We can play with the breath, having the person play with the breath themselves. There are a couple different breathing strategies that I would use most often for people, and that would be exhaling on exertion or I love this cue from Julie Wee, which is blow before you go. So starting the exhale breath and then getting into the difficult task or movement. And then another one that I really like is exhaling through exertion. So if it's a really difficult or challenging movement for the person, getting them to exhale through the whole rep where it feels hard for them. But then inhaling on exertion works really well for some other people and breath holding can also be a great strategy to be training for some people. So I think probably Anthony Lowe says something like breathing in all the ways, and that's what we want to do for someone. But I do think that it can be helpful to find one strategy that feels really confident for someone at first. And I think, Erica, this was also tacked on to the breathing with prolapse for heavy lifting or with strength training. And if someone is nervous or anxious about that, find that breathing strategy that helps them to feel soothed and calm and confident and then start playing with the different variations from there. Yeah, I think that's so helpful with any, not just prolapse, but how you're saying like any, any symptoms that someone is experiencing as well. This is a good one. So this is from Sky and they asked, so the first few days postpartum, what to expect? Um, now I thought we could talk about this in terms of, you know, what movement or kind of exercises if people feel they want to do something those first couple days postpartum so a lot of times so i'm with my pregnant clients we're talking about this while they're still pregnant so that they have an idea of what they could do depending how they feel postpartum so what we're starting with i remind them okay i want you to go back to the beginning when we were setting your foundation so you're going to be thinking again of you don't, well, there is no perfect posture and really your body wants a variation in posture. But again, for some people realizing if they're in the same posture all the time postpartum, which may be in that kind of, uh, if you're standing, the weight might be more in your heels um, and kind of your ribs back and your bum tucked under and kind of that slouched or slump position. And again, that is not a bad posture to be in. However, we may be there like all the time. So then bringing yourself into other postures, whether it's like bringing your ribs more forward and standing um, or when you're going for a walk um, can be quite helpful. And then breathing. So the biggest thing I find is like notice now you actually will get a fuller breath than probably you did by the end of pregnancy because there's just more space for your diaphragm. But I have them just bring that into your day and not that you need to spend half an hour doing exercise. But I say, you know, like, if you're feeding the baby or after you change a diaper, do a few breaths and try to get that 360 breath. So into your rib cage, but that umbrella type breath, um, do a few of those. Be doing some of the core breaths so that's where you're engaging and relaxing the pelvic floor with your breath. Some other times doing just some release work that I use the cue of the flower bloom, but even just again, thinking of relaxing the pelvic floor. So doing kind of a bit of each thing but again, not feeling overwhelmed by it. So there's no three sets of 10 or you have to do this, you know, lying on the floor or whatever, because Jess and I have both been through this twice. Um, that it's however you can kind of fit some in and depending how you feel, if you want to do it, if you feel like, feel like doing it, right? Um, and this is all the stuff we're giving, especially those first few days, it's all super gentle. 
none of it should be painful. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind. And when it comes to the pelvic floor, when we talk about engaging and relaxing it, that's kind of creating like a, a pumping effect. So it can help with circulation in the area. But also I talk about, you know, it's kind of waking up those muscles a little bit. So if you had a vaginal birth, whether you've had tearing or not, those muscles have been stretched. And then if there's been tearing and stitches, there is, again, kind of a compromise to that tissue. So you're just kind of waking up those muscles a bit. And I tell clients, like, don't be alarmed if you can't feel movement, because that's very common after. Um, and especially it will likely feel different than when you were pregnant, especially those first few days, first few weeks. Um, so again, it's just kind of waking up those muscles a little bit, connecting with them a bit, working on your breath. Um, and then usually after that first week, when I, I say, you know, if you feel like you want to, you could start doing some things like bridges, or if you're familiar with something called clams, like we bring those rehab type movements with your breath and core and pelvic floor just very gently and as you feel ready to do it. And again, it's not half an hour of it, but it's just getting some of that movement back early on can actually feel really nice on your body and can be fine to do. Yeah, that's great advice. I think what's so key there that you were mentioning is just noticing how you have been holding or positioning your body and then trying to do something maybe a little bit different from that because that can feel the best of all as sometimes not anything super specific but just noticing have i been in this posture for the last eight hours maybe to be out of that posture for the next three minutes will be really relieving and one more thing i want to mention because i think that this is misunderstood for a lot of postpartum people too is going slow and very gently and progressively with returning to walking this tends to be the exercise that is most recommended for postpartum for getting back to any movement and then getting back to exercise and walking postpartum can be wonderful but take it slow very very slow because it can be more demanding and taxing on the body and the pelvic floor than we realize until it might give us a flare-up when we try to go for a 20-minute walk at four days postpartum mm-hmm yeah, I think that's really key because it's it's true. I think walking is usually the thing, the activity that kind of gets overlooked that they're just like, well, walking is fine. But I mean, there's a range, right? Like going for a half an hour, 40 minute walk the day after you give birth may not feel so great. And to remember too, if you've had a vaginal birth, like, and even if you haven't, so a good thing to talk about too is if you had a cesarean birth, but perhaps you were pushing for three hours before you had that cesarean birth. And even if you didn't, like there's other steps along the way that your pelvic floor has still been through a lot. So it's know then when you're up and standing and walking, it's a lot of work for your pelvic floor um, because you're working against gravity. So just to, again, take it, do go slower than probably what you think um, or spending less time doing being on your feet and walking as you think just in that initial part can be really helpful. And then also with the cesarean birth, um, I've had a number of clients recently where they felt really good after. So then they were doing more walking and their scar kind of told them like, this was too much. Like it ends up getting swollen and flared up. And then after a few days of then the rest, it goes down and then they feel good again. So then they do it. So your scar will tell you. And then also even as well, um, your bleeding. So the lochia that happens after birth, um, 
that can also t sometimes if you do too much that might increase after it has decreased already um, but then also other thing just even pain if you've had any tearing and stitches pain there might also kind of increase if you've been pushing it even with walking so to keep that in mind yeah that's such good advice one last note just within the first few days postpartum if you've had a c-section and this might be your first one just know that it's going to feel very very difficult to stand up fully straight you might feel very hunched over so it can just be a good thing a few times throughout the day to just try to lift your chest up and get yourself standing in a more straight position it was so surprising to me after my second c-section to feel that even though i had felt it before but it's just very shocking to feel like it is so tough to actually put your body in an upright position. One person did ask, so Saskatoon Strong Moms asked, they're due July 1st, is swimming after a vaginal birth in the cards? And so there can be a lot of ways to look at this. So definitely say, you know, check with your care provider of what they're telling you um, postpartum, because again, depending how birth went, um, they may recommend waiting. Now, usually after a vaginal birth, like having a sits bath is okay to do. Um, but again, that's like gentle and that's, that's not a ton of water um, and not for a long period of time. Something with swimming to keep in mind is like chlorine um, and just the water itself and how long you're gonna be at, like all of that will play a role. And it may, depending on, cause I'm not sure also with this question, if they're asking, you know, the intensity of swimming, like are you going and kind of floating around or if you're expecting to do laps afterwards. Um, so there's just, there can be a lot of questions around it. So A, I say check with your care provider. If you are seeing a pelvic physio, they'll be able to guide you as well, depending where you are postpartum. Um, and it depends on when you're thinking of getting back to swimming postpartum as well, because that can definitely vary. It definitely would be after that six weeks, but again, depending, depending how you feel afterwards. That's great advice. That actually is a more common question than people might think. A lot of people have questions about that. There was just one question that came up here from someone that said, achy body from breastfeeding and caring for baby. Osteo, physio, clinical massage, chiro, question mark, which is best for what kind of problem? Everyone is going to be different. Like as health professionals, we all have kind of our expertise and we all also collaborate and complement what each other do. And it also depends on who you're seeing. Where some are super hands-on and others do a combination of exercise. Like I do hands-on work, but also exercise. And especially right now with doing virtual appointments, like there's a ton I do with clients virtually, um, whether pregnant or postpartum that I don't need to do hands-on work with. So a lot of different exercise um, and different stretches. And the nice thing with that is then everything that we do, you can do yourself at home because the appointment we're having is you at home. So it can be great to have that guidance. So especially right now when you wouldn't be able to necessarily see the, all of those professionals um, in person, again, depends where you live and as things are changing now, but virtually there's a lot I can speak as a physiotherapist, a lot we can do to help with that. Um, there's actually one of my favorite exercises. I've been meaning to do a video and post about it. Um, that is amazing for like shoulder and upper back tension and pain, but also for nursing, it's fantastic. Um, and you just need two tennis balls for it. So I will look into posting that, but um, yeah, so I wouldn't say one is 
over the other. And it also depends on your relationship. You need to connect with your, um, the health professional you're working with to kind of get the most out of your sessions. Yeah, perfect. And I think just going back to that feeling of achy and stiff in your body, postpartum, so common. And one of the most helpful things that we've already talked about here is just moving your body in different ways from what you might be doing. So if you are stuck in a rounded slump position, which of course is going to happen to all of us postpartum, then just start to move in different ways. Maybe some extension work, some rotation work, anything different from what you have been in will probably feel better and relieving on your body for at least a period of time. And then also breathing, which we've talked about a lot. I think breathing gets overlooked a lot. Um, but again, postpartum with tension, you might be feeling stress that you're feeling like it's amazing what actually focusing on some deep breathing for even a couple minutes can actually do for that tension as well. One other one was Joe had asked, and this is more of a general question. They asked, what is your type of workout for postpartum people? Right. Okay. So I think, yeah, they're asking favorites type of postpartum workouts. It's always going to be whatever the person enjoys at least a little bit or the most. So whatever they like, whatever they are able to engage in, whatever type of exercise or movement they are able to access. And I know that that is very limited for a lot of people right now. You're in your home. Maybe you can access something online, but maybe you can. So whatever you enjoy, whatever ever you are able to access and whatever is feeling okay on your body, like truly whatever is feeling okay on your body. And that might take some checking of the ego, but really trying to figure that out. So nothing specific. We're not going to say yoga is the very best postpartum exercise or swimming or strength training, although that's my bias because that's what I love, but it is totally up to the person who's doing the movement. Mm -hmm. And I would say if you are seeing a health professional, that should really be their goal too. So if you're seeing someone who is saying, no, you should be doing this or yeah, you should be swimming or yoga or Pilates or whatever, they should really be working with you to get you back to what you want to do. And there may be steps to get there. So how we talked about um, with running, that it, depending where you're postpartum, it may not be recommended to just jump back into full out running that maybe it's creating that foundation and strength training and all the breath work different things that we talked about addressing the pelvic floor and core that might be the step to get you there but that should ultimately always be where if it's with a fitness or health professional their goal should be what your goal is to get you back to it okay cool thanks everyone those were so good so smart yeah yeah it was a great i love that it was a variety and it's early postpartum to later on and we had from fitness coaches, but then also expecting um, a newly postpartum people, which was great as well. And you can check um, also our Instagram page at Two Birth and Beyond Podcast. And also myself, I'm at Holistic Health Physio and Jess is at Jesse Mundell. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. We will catch up with you soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Two Birth and Beyond Podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the Two Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 